Hey, fuckers. Welcome back. It's the loudest pod. Oh, that was cringe. I don't like the way I said that. Welcome you sounded back. great. Welcome back to the loudest podcast. Loudest podcast on the internet. My name is Sarancha. Oh, my God. It's serious. I, I know we usually talk about something light at the beginning of the show, but holy shit, my beans are so burned. Wait, wait. Someone's burning your beans? Can we do a what's burning my beans? Oh, okay, well, well, you, that's kind of my thing. Get your own thing. Okay, well, wh- how about we do, instead of burning my beans, what can I do to get the government to stop taking money from me? What? what? Oh, it's tax It's day. tax season. Wait hysteria. a minute. All right, you're not a boomer. You didn't do your taxes on February 1st. The first day you were legally allowed to do your taxes. I was waiting for K-1 forms, motherfucker. Yes, well, if those K-1 forms don't show up by February 1st, that's on them. I don't know. One company emailed me and was like, yeah, we're not getting these out till mid-March. So I guess they have special rules. What the fuck ever? I hate taxes. My taxes are very listener. Let me tell you a tale. Let me tell you a tale. This is what's burning my beans this uh, year. Went to the post office today. It was great. I would wait line up that post office a hundred times and deal with the fucking federal government. Yeah, you ready? You ready, kids? You ready for our first acrimonious uh, political screed of the year about how much I hate taxes? All right. So my taxes are very fucky wucky. I don't do them myself. I don't like. To, it's not worth my time. And it, like, what the fuck is a K one form? I didn't know before this year. It's never a good thing when your accountant emails you and is like, "Hey, what does this form mean that you sent over?" It's like, oh god, great. I just know it says tax on it. All right. So I had my aunt. My aunt does my taxes. Mm-hmm. And is this the aunt that works in jail? No, this is a different aunt. Different aunt. Okay. So my aunt does my taxes. She's a retired accountant and she does them pretty well. And this year, let me tell you, sirs, you'd be so proud of me. I was a fucking boomer about keeping my records, like my deductibles and shit. I kept like all my papers orderly, everything in order. Everything is like categorized because I paid out the ass last year. I was like, I can't do that. I will never financially recover if I don't start finding some deductibles somewhere. You didn't deduct anything? Almost nothing. I think I did take the standard deduction last year. Yeah, but that's different from your Schedule C. Like, you're small. You should be taking a bunch of deductions against your small business. I don't have a small business. You definitely do. I don't. I get... Okay, okay, let me rephrase what I just said. I am not registered as a Class C corporation. No, 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 no. Your Schedule C is the thing on, like, a regular person taxes. Let's say, I don't know, they made, like, $3,000, like, like... Doing a couple of extra shifts at the church or something, and they got paid on a 1099 because, like, they weren't a full time employee. Well, you have a thing called Schedule C. That's where you put all your small business expenses. Like, you don't get any W 2s, you're entirely 1099. Yeah, you know what? I don't I don't know. I know what all of those words you just said mean individually, and I bet my accountant knows what all those words mean individually too. Does she? Because you just told me you didn't write off anything I last year. I don't know what I wrote off. I had a big chunk of write-off. This is not important. Why the it's fuck are we talking imp- about this? You know why? Because it's very, very important. If you're not writing anything off, the government wins and you lose and you hate that. Okay, well, this year I won. You Oh, I'd like to hear this. This year I won. This year I kept everything in order. I did all my deductions and for the first time in my life, I got a tax refund. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. That's actually number 87 on my list of 
the top 100 thing. Oh, we got to get to that soon. Okay, yeah, tax refund. So uh, my accountant emails me. She's like, hey, uh, good job on keeping your records. You're getting rid of refund. Nothing crazy. Like I, th- I think it was like $4,400. That's huge. In a tax refund. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you thought, I fucking thought. So I'm sitting there and I'm all excited. I'm all keen. I'm like deciding how I'm going to send it. So I get my deposit. Uh This morning, I get my direct deposit from my taxes, my tax return. And lo and behold, sitting in my account is not $4,400, but it is like $2,300. So I'm I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, some numbers must have got rearranged somewhere. I'm not going to pitch a fit. Your taxes are very uh, amendable. So I go on my email and my aunt does them for free. So I'm not, I ain't going to accuse anybody of anything. I ain't going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Like this weekend, I was with my friends. We were down at uh, CVS and a friend is like, I don't have razors. And I say, oh, I have razors at home. You could have one. And she, the, her first thing. You mean I, re- I have razors at home? Yeah, we have razors at home. I bought those razors. Like, oh, I keep seeing them filled with disgusting leg hairs. It was disgusting. Yeah, that's how I describe my body. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I got razors at home. And the first thing out of her mouth is, how many blades? So I was like, oh, I think it's between two and how about you go fuck yourself? It's a free razor. That's well, the right answer. Lo and behold, she did not use the razor. So you could rest the peace of mind that you, oh, the only disgusting leg hair in the shower is mine. So I get on my computer and I tapity tap. I get on my pooter where my accountant is and I open up my email and I send like the softest worded email like listeners. Here's a little pro tip. If you in your heart of hearts believe that someone else is fucked up and you want to communicate to them, just blame yourself. That's right. In a way that it doesn't even have to make any fucking sense. It doesn't. Like, so here's what I say. I get on my email and I'm like, hey. Just uh, got my tax refund, and it looks like instead of $4,400, it's $2,300. Haha. Do you think I like entered my social security wrong? Good. <laughs> or something That's like great. that. Something stupid. That makes no fucking sense. I don't file a lick of paperwork except for like my local taxes and my state taxes. I don't touch my federal tax return. So there's literally no re- way that could have even happened. But I'm hoping she'll respond back and be like, oh my God, yeah, no, I filed something incorrectly or I switched to I switched to three and a six or something somewhere. But no, I get this email back from her stereos. And this is the part that this is where my beans started to burn. Okay. <laughs> so I get this email in my uh, email. Hi, Sriracha. I checked your return to look at the amounts you should have received, and it you definitely should have received uh, 4235, like mm-hmm. ar- around 44. Sure. I guess I got the first number wrong. Okay. Refund, direct deposit. So I guess they changed something in the process. The IRS will usually correct the refund amount and then send you a notice later explaining what was changed. When you get the letter or notice, let me know and send me a copy so I can review it. Now, first of all, first of fucking all, listener, let me tell you, if you don't live in America, we have a tax code that fucks pretty much everybody and one of the only benefits of our fucked, stupid, sideways, backwards tax system is that it's much easier for small business owners. Yeah. In my opinion, That's true. because you don't have a double you, in every other country, the government just ships you a bill about what they think you owe. But it's kind of hard when you don't have a set salary because things vary, very so much. And I thought that's why we had our fucky wucky tax system was because we have so many small business owners. No, it turns out it's just because Tober tax owns like six senators. Yeah, <laughs> they keep them in a basement. 
So first of all, how the fuck do you have the information at the IRS that so you know how much I should get in a refund on my completely self-reported income? Also, you didn't seem to have a problem with the quarterly deduction I gave you. So at the same time that you get your refund, you also do your first direct deposit to your taxes. So motherfuckers, you are totally fine taking the astronomical amount that I pay in fucking taxes. But somehow the refund is wrong. What's going on here, fuckers? It has to be one way or the other. Either you know how much money I owe and you could base the information off of that or you have to fucking wait and have a human being look at my returns to say I added something wrong. You can't do both ways. I fucking hate the government. I hate the government so much. Look, I know you hate the government. By the way, this is the rat. We are going to finish telling the end of this bad vegan story, but I can already tell this is going to be an hour-long episode just talking about taxes. Buckle up, bad vegan fans. We will get to the end of the bad vegan. I'm going to troubleshoot this situation like an IT guy real quick, because I used to work IT at my college, so just pretend to call me up. Do we shut down and restart the government? Because I've thought about doing that, and i got placed in a list. You know what? That's, that's actually where we're going to start, so just give me a call. Okay. Ring, ring, ring. Hello, IRS. Hi. Uh, you gave me not the correct amount of refund, even though my taxes were filed correctly, and the amount that I said I was deducting should have given me a refund of $4,400, but you only gave me $2,300. What's the deal? Oh, well, well, I can understand that that would be frustrating. I'm, I'm sorry that you're having some trouble here. I mean, I guess the first thing I want to check is, were you expecting $4,400 completely federally or did your accountant maybe split some of the money federal and some of the money state? No, I know for a fact it's all federal because I think it's funny that I owe money to the state but not to the uh the, the government. <laughs> that is pretty funny. And motherfucker, you're telling me you can nitpick $2,000 from, you're telling me you can nitpick $2,000 motherfucking dollars from my tax refund. And meanwhile, I'm sitting on Reddit and today I saw a post from a woman who did not pay taxes in three fucking years. She didn't pay taxes for three goddamn years because uh, she got divorced and she assumed that her ex-husband was still filing them. I mean, okay. I mean, that lady's stupid. That has nothing to do with you. Let look. Let's get through just the simple. Let's just check off a couple of because. And by the way, here's why I'm trying to do this. We have a lot of boomer listeners who are thinking the things I'm about to tell you. Oh, we my. just want to knock out a couple of things. All right. Thing number two is it possible because you are allowed to pay your Q1 uh, quarterly out of your refund, like the IRS. To- I'm going to stop you right there because uh, not Mm -hmm. the case. I was deducted the full amount for my quarterly taxes. And additionally, I received a deposit of that amount of money on two separate days. Okay. So how much did you end up getting? I ended up getting $2,300. And your aunt thinks that the IRS is going to send like a letter that's like, uh... We we fucked up. Here's the rest of your money. No, she thinks they're going to send a letter explaining, explaining why they had to amend my tax return to the point where I only got twenty three hundred dollars, which I am saying I don't think they should be allowed to fucking do. It's either one way or another. Either the taxes are so complicated here that you need everybody to do them individually or you have no fucking idea and you have to wait until someone sits down with them. And I know for a motherfucking fact that no human being sat down with that tax return because I was at like the it was a buzzer beater moment. I, was, I had like 45 minutes left to file. I got bad news for you, Rancho. 
I don't think the IRS is going to send you a letter explaining why they refunded you less than you got. I think they're just going to refund you less than you got. Fuck you. We're moving on. Yeah, that's probably what's going to happen. <gasps> did they take my stimmy back? Oh, my God. Did you have to repay the stimulus? Holy shit. I'm going to be so fucking angry if that's the case. It is. For some people who made more than they thought they were going to make, you do have to repay part of the stimmy. Oh, my God. Maybe that's it. I sure hope they didn't take your stimmy back. That's your money. That's bullshit. I hate this country. <laughs> well, Rancho. I'm having a lot of trouble sympathizing with you here because you spend no time at all even thinking about your taxes. Like, for years I've told you to open a corporation. You don't know what a Schedule C is. You have your aunt doing everything for... What do you pay her, like $5 and like a Starbucks gift card? I don't pay her at all. <laughs> you don't... I've... How many times have I told you, like, why don't you use my accountant? They're incredibly good. Because they cost money. But they'll get you more money back. I think that's a scam. And you're repeating lines from an H&R Block commercial. Okay, I don't know what H&R Block commercial you're talking about. But, like, since I've started using these accountants, my refunds have been gigantic. Well, good for you. Wipe your ass with a $100 bill. I can. You can't because the government just like capriciously and arbitrarily decided to hang on to half of your refund. And now you have no recourse because what are you going to do? Annoy your aunt about it? <sighs> you put yourself in this situation. I am no fan of the federal government. For years, I'm like, open a corporation, use an accountant. You don't even like the idea of like QuickBooks. No, no internet, no nothing. I will keep all of my accounting in a small book, <laughs> like a small notebook. You under my bed. You don't even have a notebook. You I, don't. That's correct. <laughs> Except, yeah, that's the thing. Like, I mean, one thing, if you're one of these, like, shoebox people, you're not even a shoebox person. My mom fucking insists on getting receipts from everywhere and it annoys yeah. the a absolute piss out of me. One time we were going through the drive-thru at an Arby's uh -huh. and she sat there and waited for, like, seven minutes while they put a new roll of paper in the receipt machine. And after we drove off, I was like... Why did you sit there and wait for a receipt? And she says, so I don't know that they charged me a million dollars. What if they charged me a hundred thousand dollars? And I was like, well, wouldn't your credit card, wouldn't that, wouldn't that your credit card be responsible for shutting that down? Couldn't you dispute that? And she says, well, how do I prove what I got? And I was like, well, I got bad news for you. There's not somebody sitting back there doing arithmetic to add up your total. The machine does it all. The cashier presses a button and then the total comes out. So if they were going to charge you $100,000, there would be $100,000 marked on the receipt. Yeah, I'm pretty sure like if you call up Visa and you're like, Arby's charged me $100,000, they would like transfer you to a manager and like somebody would fix that. They would transfer you directly to a psychiatrist. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I look, I do want receipts, especially if I'm like someplace weird, like a small little restaurant where I'm like, if I don't get the receipt, I don't want like, I don't want like grandpa to suddenly add like a one to the front of the tip. And like all of a sudden you got like a hundred dollar tip. And then like I'm on the phone with Visa, like trying to explain that I'm not that generous. But like, I don't know, Target, Arby's, like there are places where it doesn't matter. That's true. Um, 
Do you know how much time to spend on my taxes? How much time did you spend on your taxes? I spent so much time on my goddamn. I got little codes in my in my little QuickBooks, and I got like little uh, little categories, little numbers, little notations. I photograph every receipt, and that's filed here. And then all, and I'll do a big export of everything just in case I don't know TurboTax. In case Elizabeth Warren successfully put TurboTax out of business, I got like years and years and years of like all 1099s and 1040Zs and everything like that. If you want to audit me, Sarantia, you go ahead. I'll give you access to a whole thing. You can look at how much money I made when I was 12 years old. You know why? Why? Boomers really like it. We love taxes and we love accounting. It's like a little like trip through our year where it's like, I remember buying that computer I remember eating at that restaurant. (laughs) See, I have the exact opposite experience. I go through stuff. I'm like, why the fuck did I buy this? Why did I buy this? Oh, my God. Why did I spend $70 on an Uber? (laughs) You know why? Like, down there, documenting everything. Why? Because we were coming back from a business meeting in the city. Exactly. I mean, I come back from a lot of business meetings. Yeah. My first thought when I saw that was, oh, am I going to get audited? I'm pretty fucked. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Um, I think that you can somehow extract more money from the government. I think, look, they owe you money. They took your money. You can get it back. It's just going to require like the smallest amount of effort. So what are the chances that you just go, fucking keep my $2,000 to the government? I mean, what do you mean it's the smallest amount? Of, what am I going to do? Bug my aunt who does my taxes for free? If the IRS allegedly sends me this letter, I will forward it and I will take whatever necessary steps are needed to be taken after that because God damn it, I'm getting my money back. I'm getting my stimmy refunded to me if it fucking kills me. However, am I going to go like fight the IRS? No. Well, I mean, would you make a phone call to them? By the way, I've had to wait. On hold. I remember one time I had to wait on hold with the IRS for I think it was like four and a half hours. Oh my God, what? Yeah, like I had it plugged in, like I was like screen capturing the time, and I was like, if I move from this one spot, I'm dead. So like I had to get like an old Game Boy Advance and I was like playing Advance Wars because I was like, I was like, no, 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 this is the rest of your day. Are you willing to go through that kind of effort? I will go through that kind of effort, but I will make it content. Listener, this is you, me promising right now that if I if there is a situation where I need to call the IRS and it lasts more than for like 15 minutes on hold, I will start live streaming. <laughs> Doing it on Instagram Live is a great idea, actually. Yeah, we could like all put together a puzzle or something <laughs> while we like keep our brains flexible. So you ended up owing money to state? Yeah, I ended up owing money. That's terrible. Only to the state, though. Okay. Are there any like low? Do you are there no like city or town taxes you have to pay? No. Okay. Good. Oh my god. I'm sorry that look, my tax refund was nothing to write home about this year. A couple of years ago, it was huge. I was getting thousands, thousands of dollars. You know that thing where like Trump tax cuts like sunset on normies, but not on corporations. Yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah, so like I think my Trump tax cuts got sunsetted, and like this year I got like eight hundred dollars, and I was a couple of years ago I got like forty four hundred dollars. It's like you're talking about. But did you actually get it, or did they take your stimulus? No, I got it because the thing is, if I don't get it, I I call up my buddy Chucks. Oh, your buddy Chucks is that your accountant? Yeah, my accountant's name is Chuck. I love this guy. And Chucks bills you, what, $200 a second? <laughs> Chucks, I pay $1,500 for the whole year. He does my uh, business taxes and my personal taxes. And it's like the business taxes is why I wanted a guy. 
Because like if you fuck up on your business taxes, like you get fucked much harder than if you're a person. You get fucked pretty hard as a person if you fuck up on your person on your uh your personal taxes. Well, let me tell you, I fucking worked together with an accountant and still we had problems. So fuck you, taxes. I fucking hate you. Did your aunt at the end of the day sign that thing where she's like, I reviewed these. This is my tax prepare number. Like, I'm in charge of this. I think I think I did something like I authorized this person to file on my behalf. Really? Yeah. Okay. Those are really important because like then the I that's kind of like a shield in like a video game where like if something's fucked up, you can be like, they did it. And like the IRS will like buy and then like they'll give you another chance because the IRS will be like, well, you did listen to this person. They had a tax fill a prepare number and everything like, all right, all right, all right. Like. Even if that person sucks, like you always want a person like that. Yeah, that's true. Maybe I'll sell that. Sir. Wait, no, that sounds like a really bad idea. I was going to offer to like sell my services like anybody. You just called up the IRS and be like, no, I know that I wrote that. But uh, I had Sarancha look at them. And she said it was all cool. Well, you would need a tax preparer ID number, which you don't. Uh, you can't just put down 69420 over and over again. I mean, I guess you could. I think I will. <laughs> You're going to do this? Uh, no, what my I, tax preparation serves me much better. I enjoy preparing taxes. I bet yours would be good. Maybe that was your calling and you missed it. I that is something I think about all the time about just like saying goodbye to everything and becoming a tax preparer. What a crazy fucking dream you have to throw everything in the caravan and become a fucking what attorney. <laughs> I just love the idea of like because it's the it's like being a uh, public defender, but for people's money. Oh, finding like every little deduction, everything like this and everything like that. I could be like the accountant from that movie, The Accountant, only without the murders and less autism. But I am on the spectrum, I believe. On the spectrum. Yeah, that's what we how we do it here. <laughs> so you were expecting forty four hundred dollars. You got twenty two hundred dollars. That's half. They sent you half. I think that's kind of like a. Fuck you. We could tell like this is like a young girl. She's probably like really, really busy and does not have the time to fight us on this. You don't, you don't like uh, when Trump used to do that thing where like he'd buy 10 pianos and only send the guy the money for five pianos and be like, look, if you've got the time, come after me for these other five pianos. I mean, yeah, that's probably what it is. I bet there are a bunch of things like I was reading a Reddit thread about somebody from uh, Europe talking about, hey, if you get shot, do Americans have to pay their own medical bills? And then people in the comments were like, well, theoretically, you could sue them, I guess, for it. But no, nobody has that kind of time. Yeah, or money. It takes like a lot of money to go after someone else's money. And then just the lawyers get to keep it all. You were telling me about like some lady who just assumed her ex-husband was filing her current taxes. You want me to read it? It's a Reddit post. Oh my, yes, I do. I'd love. Wait, and the other thing. Look, while Reddit's coming up, you also told me that you heard the fakest to buy the asshole ever. Yeah, we're going to do that one next episode. Okay, excellent. So I'm part of this subreddit, anti-MLM. I'm not 100% sure why this is here, but I guess somebody that goes to anti-MLM is a retired accountant and got this email from a single mom, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. I'm a makeup artist and I'm currently an exemplary presenter with Unique, but I will be promoted soon. Blah, 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 shilling Unique. As a single mom and people person, paperwork is not my strong point. (laughs) 
<laughs> I wonder if I could do that if I ever get on it. Just play dumb. Like, no, no paper. Don't know math. <laughs> you should absolutely, you should always play dumb. You have nothing to lose. Oops, I can't count. I have two young boys I'm raising alone, and their dad refuses to pay child support or alimony. So I'm always working at one of my businesses to support my family with no help. Prior to our divorce in 2019, he took care of all of the taxes, and I just learned he had taken me off of the taxes, and I needed to file my own for 2019, 2020, 2021. He also told me that since the boys live primarily with him, he is claiming them on his taxes, so I can't. We got in a big fight, and now I'm worried. He said, I'm supposed to be paying tax to the state on my sales and quarterly tax payments to the IRS. We don't have a state tax. Tax questionable. So I'm not sure why he thinks I need to pay them. I do charge sales tax, but no one has ever asked for it. (laughs) So you don't charge sales tax. You charge another 8% that you just keep. Sandy told me that you can help me navigate all of these as a single mom yourself would understand that it's expensive trying to raise kids and be the sole support for your family. Uh, Didn't we just establish that the dad has primary custody? Yeah, what the hell? I can't afford to pay much, but I can offer you a chance to join my team. I guess that's why this was in this subreddit. But yeah. Oh, oh. that's terrible. Dude, that's going to be so much money. People were in the comments were egging her on to like respond and total up how much she owed because yeah. it would be like tens of thousands of dollars. And she's yeah. like, absolutely the fuck not. I'm not doing that because there's going to be interest on top of it. And then she's going to be up my ass, like trying to find a way to get trying to like negotiate with the IRS. I was like, yeah, that's smart because I definitely would have tried to pry for a little more information too. Sometimes the IRS lets you have one good faith oopsie. This is what happened to me. I started a business and uh, I didn't do anything with it at first. Like, like I was still waiting to set up the checking account. So like I couldn't get money into it. So like, so, uh, you know, I started towards the end of the year. And then like, so that whole year, like I didn't do anything with it. I Googled like, if I don't do shit with my business, do I have to file a return? Like, even if I didn't make any money. And like some website was like, no, you don't. But it wasn't like a .gov or it was like some website. And I was like, well, that's the answer I want to hear. Therefore, that's the answer I will accept. Research done. (laughs) Exactly. Thanks for confirming my biases. And uh, the federal government was like, you didn't file uh, your business tax returns. I was like, well, yeah, but you you don't have to file a business tax return. It just has the number zero on it. Do you? And they said. Yes, you do. You owe us $1,500. Oh, my fucking God. You see this, fucker? You see how this is how fucked TurboTax has been? And this is 100% TurboTax's fault because the, people have been railing for easier goddamn tax laws. Like every other motherfucking country in the goddamn world has. It's like affordable health care 2.0. But no, we can't do it because uh, TurboTax is their big fucking dick in the way. Are you kidding me? You have to file a return for a company that had no activity and made no money. Jesus fucking Christ. Right. Yeah. So so I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Like, why, though? What's the penalty on? Because I'm like, I know there's a thing where it's like, if you owe a dollar to the IRS and you wait 10 years, it's a million dollars. I'm like, but what are you compounding the interest on? Like, what's the penalty? Like, no, no deductions, no income, no activity, nothing. And they were like. Yeah, it's $300 a month that you don't do it, asshole. (laughs) So, but I had my accountant just like write a very nice letter that was like, he made an oopsie. It's his first time. In good faith, can you waive this penalty and he won't do it again? And the IRS was like, yes, absolutely. Oh my God. And so they just waived the whole $1,500 penalty. I called up the state 
and I gave them the same song and dance, and they were like, all right, here's your one oopsie. And like, I didn't know the state of New York, $1,200. Oh my God, that's a really good to know. I wonder if they give you an automatic oopsie your first time. Like, you know, if you when you file for an extension, it just automatically approves it. Maybe you get auto-approved for your first big tax fraud. <laughs> no, I think you got to call and beg and plead like I did, where, where I was just like, I was like, I really thought I was acting on the right information. And they were like, show us the website where you found this. And so like I emailed the guy like a screen cap of like Tim's blog. And like it had like the GeoCities rotating GIF in the corner. I was like, see, I thought that. And they were like, they're like, okay, I get it. You sound like you did try, although you tried in the stupidest possible way. You're not a criminal. You're just a boomer. Well, yes, exactly. And um and so I hope that this lady could call the IRS and just be like, I mean, the thing that it kind of puts me in mind with this Reddit lady is like divorces take years. They take like fucking years. Like she might have still been married to him, but just separated. And this dude just like kind of out of sheer spite was like, no, no, no. I'm going to file as married, but filing single because like, I'm not going to help this lady at all. Like, uh, it, it, she might have been a little bit correct here, even though, like, obviously you should try to find out if you paid your taxes or not. Yeah, I mean, anytime anybody tells me I didn't pay taxes, that's a big one thinking why. But <laughs> I mean, I wonder if that defense would hold any water. Like if she called the IRS, it was like, I thought I was still technically married. I wonder if they wouldn't like fuck her hard with the, in the inevitable interest she owes on her taxes due from 2019. I and in that case, like, uh, like, obviously, I think she could also cut a deal where she could be like, look, I'll give you this much money now if you can reduce the amount of interest I owe. And like maybe instead of garnishing me, like instead of garnishing me with like a 12 iron, like garnish me with like a six iron. You know what I mean? Like maybe like use a little bit of lube if you're going to fuck me. <laughs> yeah. Like instead of like having one of those Indiana Jones whips and beating you, they got one of those cute little sorority pedals that has like a heart on the end. And they're like, don't do tax fraud again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like there's got it. There's, there's always something like, the weird thing about the IRS is like I called them several times. Like I have negotiated with them before because I remember the first year I made just like a little bit too much money. Like the first year I made, it was in my 20s. I made just like a little bit too much money and they put me on the payment plan thing. Like I worked out something with them. But um, yeah, you probably probably shouldn't assume that your ex-husband who hates you is paying your is paying your taxes or Helping you in any way. Yeah, you probably shouldn't assume that you're going to get child support if he has primary custody, too. That's a really good point. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. I think the support that he's offering them is raising them. <laughs> I don't think you're entitled to financial compensation for that. All right. Well, look, number 87 on my list of the top 100 things was tax refunds. And the reason I like it so much is because the tax refund is you telling the government, I'm not responsible enough to hold on to this money. Cause like everyone's always like, Oh, it's an interest free loan to the government. It's an interest free loan to the government. Cause like, well, for people who don't understand, like if you're getting a tax refund, it's because you withheld way too much money from your weekly paycheck. So at the end of the year, they're like, you overpaid when you overpay, you get a refund. And so I'm always like, whenever I start a new job, I'm just like, just withhold everything. Okay. Because <laughs> uh, if, if I have the money, I'm going to spend it on comic books and action figures. If the government has the money, then and I get it back at the end of the year, it's like, 
it's like I'm using them as like a little savings account against my own inability to be an adult. Oh man, if only there were some kind of account, maybe that you had control over that you could like, I don't know, you could divert a percentage of your paycheck into an account and save for retirement. I wonder what we could call it. 401F? (laughs) Okay, well, first off, not every job lets you automatically deposit percentages into a 401k, but two, even if I do a direct deposit thing where I'm like 80% in checking, 20% in savings. That money calls to me. And then all of a sudden, oh, and Instagram is so good at these like targeted ads now. I'm just, it's like a shooting gallery for a stereo's coconuts with these targeted ads. The other day it was like, hey, do you want to spend uh, $100 to go see Kurt Vile? And I was like, yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then I bought two Kurt Vile tickets. It's like, I don't have that money. COVID might be back by then. It's like, it's like I'm giving an interest-free loan to Ticketmaster buying these goddamn tickets. But it's like, I would like to go see Kurt Vile. I would like this vintage jacket. I would like this used record. Like, I do want these things. I mean, what I realized about my top 100 list is like, well, they can all kind of be reduced to one thing. Consumerism. Yeah, I really li- I like buying these things and having these things. Buying consuming is fun. Yeah, I'm gonna maybe I'll put consuming as number. Consuming. I'm gonna make an anti best 100 things list. A worst 100 things list. Yeah, but to keep it fun, no violence, uh, and no crimes. All right. Well, well, listen. I'm gonna I'm gonna be telling you some of my top 100 things. If you want to throw in one of your least top 100 things in between, you go ahead. Okay. I mean, I got to thank God that. The reason why I'm taking them out, because the bottom of the list would be like genocide and shit. No, we're not doing that. That's not funny. No, it's not funny. Tell me about more of your favorite things. All right. Number 64, lightsaber toys, but they have the blade inside. So like when you flick your wrist, like the blade comes out and it goes like, and it lights up. That's number 64 on your list of the best things in the entire world. And you're like, choon, 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 like only a master of evil, Darth. Because when I was a kid, we didn't have like good lightsaber toys. Like all of our lightsaber toys when I was a kid were just like the stick. The stick was already out and it had a flashlight in it. Then when the prequels came out, like you could do a thing where you flicked it, but like part of the lightsaber was always out. Now in 2020, they've got like the full on coolest, perfectest lightsaber toys and like when you flick your wrist you go wow i'm like you feel like a hero well if you these are so high on your list why don't you own one i wouldn't stop like if i buy like a lightsaber then i gotta get a bat left to put above it and then you know and then i gotta buy some batarangs that other day when we were in that crystal store in mystic connecticut did you see those batarangs were only $12.99 each. I did, and I debated. That was an incredible price on batarangs. Like, I don't know what I thought batarangs cost, but I was like, very reasonable batarang price. <laughs> I can't. Once you start collecting novelty weapons, and also the other thing is like, you don't want one of those weapons around. Because like, if you have like a weapon in your house, Every time you hear like a little weird noise, like a little weird creak or crack, you're immediately reaching for your like two Klingon fighting daggers. And next thing you know, you're going to stab your neighbor from 7C. Yeah, I think I have auditory hallucinations when I get high sometimes. So that would not be a good purchase. The other night you were like, oh, my God, well, I heard noises. I thought there was a monster. And it's like, Sorry, you know, I'm in the house. <laughs> You know I'm you know I'm upstairs working when we were at my mom's house. I was like, 
Why did you think it was a bird? Like, why wasn't your first thought, hmm, that might be my fiance? I don't know. There are some, it is a mystery. Okay. All right. Sounds like a mystery. Um, okay. I'm not sure which of these should go on my list. So I'm going to give you two. I'm ready. One's got to stay. One's got to go. Uh, number 54, either little kids saying curse words and they don't know what it means. But they know, like, when they say it, you make, like, a face and react, and they're like, well, I'm just going to keep saying the C word then. Or birds saying curse words. Oh, kids saying curse words. You know me. I love birds. But kids saying curse words, much funnier. There's something There's something about a little kid saying curse word where they, they don't know why you're reacting, but they love that you're reacting, and they love that they're getting attention. Yeah, that's what they want. Like a toddler that says the word fuck. They have no idea what they're saying. They just know that mommy stares at them and picks them up <laughs> and takes them out of the Home Depot when they say it enough times. What's the funniest curse word for a little kid to say? I mean, uh, immediately my mind went to the C word, but there's something like ass. What if a little kid started just saying ass diarrhea? <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a good one. But my mind immediately went to, have you ever seen that sketch? Uh, I think it was Mad TV with Will Ferrell and the little kid where Will Ferrell opens the door. And he's like, oh, Pearl, I don't have the money yet. She's like, give me my fucking money. It's like a second grader. Yes. I don't know. Fuck. I think that's what came to my brain first when I was decided between the birds and the kids. So I'm going to go with the F word. Yeah, I like the F word too. Because, all right, if a little kid is saying the C word, that means that you exposed a little kid to the C word somehow. And that means they're Australian, which is unforgivable. Uh, absolutely. That means we have to throw it in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number 12, Christmas. Oh, good one. Oh, that's a really, really good one. Because I can think, remember my one of my top ones, I don't remember if it was first or seven, was like being nice and warm and falling asleep under a blanket. I get that feeling. That is the feeling of Christmas time, I believe. I believe it's just like you're laying super duper warm and you know it's cold outside and you just slowly succumb to sleep as the Christmas tree twinkles. Yeah, no, that's magical. That's fucking magical, dude. Did you have Santa? Like, was there a gift that would be from Santa? No. You didn't have a Santa present? No, because Santa is devil magic. <laughs> I'm sorry. So we've went over this so many we've, times. No, no. Well, look, we've gone over this. I didn't know that about Santa. I mean, I it's not much to tell. It's like Mormons. Like they consider Santa to be magic, and so do some super hardcore Christians, I guess. There's nothing more Christian than Santa. He only gives presents to Christians. Our friends of the Jewish faith or the Muslim persuasion, they don't get zip. And Christians love it when you give them bonus shit for being Christian. Well, I guess that those little kids just didn't watch enough VeggieTales because Santa did not visit this house. There's no Santa in VeggieTales. There's no, like, Santa cucumber or, like, cilantro claws. I do remember there being a Christmas episode where one of them dressed up like Santa. <laughs> But it's very clearly a carrot, though. Yes, it's obviously a carrot or an onion or some shit. Okay, all right. Wow, that's Look, the Santa gift, at least in my home, and by the way, I understand that what I'm about to say is dripping with privilege. It was an extra gift. Like when me and my little brothers would be like caucusing as to like what we wanted, we'd be like, maybe we, maybe like we can ask Santa for the Nintendo. And like if we're all good and like we all write the same thing to Santa, like, maybe Santa, instead of getting us through, maybe, like, we can knock this thing out with the Santa gift. 
See, my parents' version of that was the gift from mom and dad. Like, instead of getting one from Santa, we'd get one from mom and dad. And it was always something we had to share, me and my brother. We always fucking fought over it. I remember every single one. The first one we got was a PS2. First one that I can remember. And I remember somebody getting nailed in the head with a controller because (laughs) they wouldn't stop playing the Finding Dory video or Finding Nemo video game. Finding Nemo video game. Yeah, you know how there was that one era where every movie had like a shitty, poorly pixelated uh, video yeah. game adaptation? Yes. That was during that time period. And I don't remember if it was me or him, but someone got frustrated, like threw a controller at the other one's head and like had a thing the size of a golf ball. Okay. You're being very cagey about who threw what, which makes me think that you threw a controller at his head. The reason why I'm talking like that is because I am like 85% sure. <laughs> <laughs> Poor soy sauce. God damn it. Um, yeah, we I remember like we got a Nintendo, we got a Sega Genesis, we got a Nintendo 64. At that point, we stopped asking for stuff. Like we didn't want a PlayStation for some reason. Like um, we didn't want like a Sega Saturn. We were a Nintendo, we like much like you were a hardcore Christian household. We were a hardcore Nintendo household. Don't you dare bring one of those Xboxes home. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. The only X in our household was the X that Christ hung out on for a while. Oh. <laughs> what? Good one. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, all right. This will be a quick one. Okay. Let's say number uh, 89. Specifically trading Pokemon through a cable. Oh my God, that is definitely a nostalgia thing. That is absolutely 100% a nostalgia thing. And I completely agree with you. It's really, really funny. And it's really fun to like imagine them going through the cable. That's exactly why it's on my list. Because it's like, you look, if you email it to them or you use a code or a QR code or something, it's like, you just know that like, all right, well, and deleted it from my database and put it on your database. It's got to pack a little lunch to go across that little cable-like bridge. You know, like, it says goodbye to the Pokemon, like, on your Game Boy, and it goes to the other one. And, like, we end up, and then, you know, it's kind of always nearby, because, like, well, it's in your friend Jimmy's, like, Game Boy, like, your friend, like, Terry's Game Boy Advance. So, like, it's still kind of, like, in your orbit. Yeah, no, but there is something magical about that goddamn cable. And I think the what it is is because I had one of those cables yeah. when I was a kid and my secret uh, Pokemon game, <laughs> I could plug it into my Game Boy and then it would go through. And in the middle, there was like this big purple, probably just an empty piece of plastic. But I was convinced it was like the Pokemon, uh, the hub yes. for all the Pokemon to go <laughs> And it, it was just fun. I just remember sitting there thinking like, oh, it takes them a while to run across the bridge. <laughs> it's like the only thing that cable was ever good for. Like, I remember when I was a kid, there was this game. There was this thing called like uh, the Atari Lynx. And the whole thing was like, if you had 16 Lynxes and 16 cables, then you could, I don't know, all play Tetris. I don't care. Like, you know, it. like, I'm not even sure like what good two, pl- it's like two player Tetris. That's just kind of like, Two-player Tetris is not fun. 99-player Tetris is fun. Yeah, like, it is. Like, I'm, I want to play the computer. I want to play the computer. Um, But the, it's like, they should just call that thing the Pokemon Cable. The Pokemon Cable. All right. All right, here's another thing on my list. I think I'm going to put this at number 30. Popcorn, but from an actual movie theater. It's different. 
it just hits different. It does. It hit different. And it's the, it's the butter that I think what makes it hit different is it's in a big container and you can just lob like thousands and thousands of calories worth of melted butter on it at that little station. I don't like it when they do it themselves no. back behind the counter. I, wa- I got to do it myself. Okay. Look, sometimes here's why I like when they do it. When they fill up half the bag, then they go squirt, 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 squirt. Then they fill up the rest of the bag and they go squirt, 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 squirt. Like I, I like it when they take the time to do that. But like otherwise, like no, I gotta, I gotta put this on because it's amazing. Like too little and it's like, hey, where's the goddamn butter? Too much and it's like, I can't eat this. There's too much butter. There's like a sogginess quotient. It's like that thing in the shower where there's only like a certain range of usable temperatures. Like I need complete control of my butter deployment. Yes, that's true. Uh, my version of that is how do you put your butter on your popcorn? Do you like mix it around? Because what I do is I usually just soak the entire top layer and then wait for it to melt down. Because when I'm sitting in the movie theater and the popcorn is at its beginning, that means my soda is also at its beginning. Yes. So I could eat so much salted butter and not have a conniption. Oh my God. Okay, look, here's how I like, the, I like how you do it. I got nothing against the way how you do it. Here's how I do it. I like squeeze the bag like a little bit, like like imagine like you're giving it like a hug with uh, with two hands, and it creates like a small channel on each side of the bag. And then I just fill each side with a bunch of liquid. Then I put my hand over the top of it, and then I just like shake it around like a salad spinner or a salad shooter or something. And like I try to get like butter like equally uh, deployed. Look, now that I'm saying it, it doesn't sound like it would ever work. I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, okay, hold on. Let me try one more time. No, I get it. I get it. I just don't think what you, I just don't understand why you would think that would work with a liquid. No, I, I don't think, I don't think it works now that I'm saying it out loud, but that is how I do it. I'm just trying to get even butter distribution. Is that a crime? Yes, it's a crime because that's why you let the professionals behind the counter handle it. Do you put in your own stitches? No, you let the professionals do it. I, however, am also a professional. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's true. You are a professional. Popcorn, you'll notice it's on both of our lists. Just pointing that out. Okay. All right. Uh, Let's say this one's number, uh, let's say this one's exactly number 100. Those pens that have like a metal tip that have like a Sharpie in it. Oh, that deserves to be way higher than 100. You think so? That deserves to be higher than movie theater popcorn. That definitely deserves to be higher than lightsaber toy. Because those pens, those are great. I don't know what they're called. I don't know where they come from. They just kind of appear places in my life. But I love them. They're so good. Like, fine tip pens or felt tip pens or marker tip. Like, I don't know what, like, the official name of it is. But if I am, like, signing a check at a restaurant... And one of those pens shows up, there might be like a pen switcheroo situation. Yeah, there's always going to be a situation with those pens. Look, I'm definitely, I'm not stealing a server's pen. I would never steal a server's pen. They need those things. But I carry a lot of extra pens in my bag. Like we might, like kind of like a, imagine like an unwilling Pokemon trade, if you will. Like you're still, look, you're still getting a pen. But I do need that pen. Yeah, you're still getting a Pokemon. It's a zigzagoon, but I'm getting Jirachi. <laughs> that's what that's, what's, that's what the store one's name. Yeah, Dratini. Jirachi. It was a goal. It was a ruby and sapphire Pokemon that you could only get by connecting your DS or Game Boy to a GameCube. Isn't that bullshit? That's awesome. <laughs> you know, somewhere on this list, 
are going to be Pokemon that you can only get if you go to the Nintendo store in New York. I just like the idea of Nintendo just like intentionally infuriating children across the world. Yeah, that was, that's the first pay to win game is a Pokemon because if you want a completed Pokedex in any one of the like Ruby and Sapphire, you had to have both Ruby and Sapphire because mm-hmm. there were certain Pokemon that only appeared in one game. And then you have to, if you had no friends, you'd have to trade with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Between them? Yeah, no. That's fucked. I can't believe they fringed that on our poor parents. Like, they made us made us make them buy two video games every year. I'm proud of them. I'm very proud of them, and I don't even know why. Um, All right. A couple more things from my list, and we, we, we can go back to this list later. Um, Let's say this one's, uh, ooh, let's say this one's number 12. Fitting into pants that you used to not fit into. Oh, that's good. It's like the... Because it's hard. Like, when you look at yourself in the mirror, like, it's hard to tell if you've lost or gained weight, which is why I think so many people gain a lot of weight. Because, like, you you look at yourself, you're like, that's me. You're never, like, happy with what you see. No one's ever like, ha ha, hello, gorgeous. You look at the mirror, and even if you're, like, a shredded hunk, you're like, ah, there's a fat piece of shit. Look at that fat piece of shit. So because you always think you're a fat piece of shit, you don't know that you've gained weight and you're now a fatter piece of shit. The only way you can tell is the pants. Oh, that sounds like a magical experience, putting on pants that used to not fit you. I personally have never had it because I just keep getting fatter and fatter. That's absolutely not true. No, I'm not fat, but I haven't uh, lost a significant enough amount of weight ever in my life that uh, my old pants would have fit. But that good for you. That sounds absolutely magical. Hope it happens to me one day. Sometimes I see this happening to you. Your pants start to fall down because you've lost weight and you haven't realized it. I, I think my clothes all just fit poorly. I don't think that's true at all. Uh, Occam's razor. No, 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 no. Um, all right. Let's say this one is number 60. Unusually strong post-it notes. Huh. I have never noticed that before, but where are you sticking post-it notes and why is it so important that they stick for a long time? Look, I'm sticking. Those marble post-it notes that you have. They suck shit. Oh, I think the complete opposite. Are you serious? I love those marble post-it notes that you have. Like, they, like I'll post something up on the wall, and then like a year later, it'll still be there. Maybe, I, you know what? Yeah, I have a problem with some post-it notes where like this, the glue don't stick right. Because like, look, if I'm writing something and I stick a thing on it and it falls off, then what was even the point of posting it in the first place? Like, sometimes... Because, okay, nobody buys post-it notes, right? Can we agree on this? I think so, yeah. You just encounter them. <laughs> you, like you materialize. Yeah, you steal them from work or like you go to a bank and they're like, here's some post-it notes or it's just like, and then sometimes like the glue is so good that you might as well just be like stapling it to the page. Look, I remember this one time I had these post-it notes. I would stick them to the wall. They would still be there a year later. I was like, these are some really good post-it notes. I can rely on you. I can trust you. I can count on you post-it notes. I didn't know having reliable post-it notes was so high up on your list of like the things that you love about being a human being on this planet in this year. You'll notice again that a lot of them are just consumerism. But I, ugh, when you find good post-it notes, you got to protect them with your life. Beer. I've got these post-it notes here. I'm not sure if they're good or bad, but they're Snapchat post-it notes. Okay. I got them because Snapchat came to my office a long time ago, and uh, they were like, hey, keep some Snapchat post-it notes. I, like, I need those. All right, so I'm going to write down. Okay. I'm going to draw a little heart. Do the C word. I'm going to put the C word inside the heart, and I'm going to put an exclamation mark at the end of it. All right, I'm going to I'm gonna toss these to you. Now, put one of these on your forehead. Okay. It does say the word cunt. I can 
attest that Asterios said the C word. No! <laughs> in written format. See, it fell right off! Immediately. It didn't stick for even one second. That's on my list of the worst 100 top things. Unreliable posted notes that don't stick at all. Worst 100 things. No violence, no crimes. Yeah, that's not fun. All right, and finally, last thing, R2-D2. I know I got two Star Wars things on my list. I like R2-D2. What do you think of R2-D2? I think he's cute. I have limited experience with Star Wars, but I think he's cute, and I like the little noises that it makes. I like the noises he makes, too. Why do you like the noises? Those are big. 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 I'm going to tell you a couple of things about R2-D2, and let's see if by the end of this, I can convince you that he belongs on the list. He has a little stun gun thing, and like if you get too close to him, like it'll shock you. And it Love won't, it. won't hurt you, but it like it's like, hey, back off. Love it. Okay. It will stop me from petting him, though, so that drops him about five slots. Mm, but he only uses it if you're being a jerk. Oh, okay. So I can I, I can I pet him or no? You can. You know what? You can pet him. Okay. Yeah. Personally. You can, personally. Yeah. If a stormtrooper gets close, like, hey, back off, guy. Nice. All right. He's a little computer hacker. Oh, does he have little hands? Yeah. He has this little like stick that like he shoots out and like it like turns and like it's like this little like like universal key and he plugs it into any computer and then all of a sudden like oh he's in control of it isn't that fun yeah i like that a lot okay do you know any computer hackers no well if you knew r2d2 you'd know one (laughs) okay all right number three the porgs can sit on him and he don't chew them off that's true as is evidenced by the piece of art we have here i'm gonna float our camera around ah see Uh, he doesn't look thrilled about them being there but yeah I can tell that that is re- going to be a really big determining factor when I say, yes, he does deserve to be on the list. He's really cool. And then, like, sometimes people will go crazy with his character and he'll be OP. Like, at one point in one of the movies, he's, like, spitting out oil and he has, like, jet like jet rockets in it. Um, oh, I forgot about my favorite thing about R2-D2. So for a while, he pretended to be evil and he worked for, like, an evil crime lord named Jabba the Hutt. He The robot pretended to be evil? The robot pretended to be evil. Okay. He worked for an evil mob boss named Jabba the Hutt. And then it's like, he's like a droid. He's like a very important droid. He's an astromech droid. He does like incredible computations that allow you to like go faster than the speed of light, like warp time and space to like your wants and wills. He's helped like numerous like Jedi defeat like evil Sith. And he's got like a little stun gun. He's a supercomputer hacker. What did he decide to do for this evil crime lord? What? Decided to serve drinks. He became a little cocktail waiter and he put like a little tray on his head and he's just like going around like serving drinks to gangsters. Oh my God. He's like the perfect hitman. What's the hitman called? Number 87. Yeah, whatever it is. He's the perfect number 87. He could just wear a little costume wherever he is. People would be like, oh, that's the droid. That's just the droid that lives here. Yeah. And he did a really good job serving drinks. I really love that guy. Like, R2-D2's service was impeccable until it was time to prove that he was a good guy all along. And then he shoots a lightsaber out of his head. <laughs> that, like, Luke Skywalker's, like, walking the plank and is about to, like, walk the plank into, like, an evil monster's mouth. And Luke Skywalker, like, jumps up, jumps up, flips, like, grabs the lightsaber with his hands tied, uses it to cut himself free, and then starts slicing up bad guys. Now, you could give a lot of that credit to Luke Skywalker. I give a lot of that credit to R2-D2. Like, uh, in fear, you give that you give that lightsaber to, to C-3PO and it's getting all fucked up, all fucked up, 
Yeah, and you ask Luke Skywalker to serve you drinks? No way. Yeah, I know. All he knows how to make is blue milk, which is like a pussy drink. Ew. Wait, you had blue milk. I did. I had it with tequila in it. And you preferred the green milk. Yes, I did. I thought the blue milk kind of tasted like algae. Yet, yet another example. Luke Skywalker, terrible bartender. He's going to my list of the top 100, the least top 100 things. Least top with the anti-top 100. <laughs> All right. Well, we will be back right after this with more of the loudest podcast and the conclusion to the bad vegan. Woo! Now it's time for the thrilling conclusion of what happened to all of Sarma's money. I'm going to do a quick recap. First, mostly for you. Thank you. Partially for our listeners. Okay. Our main character is a woman named Sarma. Sarma has rich parents, but she's very dumb. Sarma starts dating a guy named Shane Fox. Shane Fox turns out his real name is Anthony Sturgis. He's a criminal. She doesn't care because it seems like he has some money. So she marries him. Got it. Anthony, according to Anthony, is an, <laughs> is an immortal being that has the power to make other people immortal that he chooses. However, not everybody can become immortal and join the family. The family is a group of omnip- omnipotent beings. Am I saying that word correctly? Yes. Omnipotent beings. They can see and hear everything. Uh, one member of the family is Anthony's brother. Anthony is like the anti-Anthony. He has all his powers, but he's evil. And he hates Sarma and Anthony in particular. And he's just itching for a reason to snipe both, just murk them, I guess, from the sky or something. I don't know. That's what I remember most from your story last time was that there's like an evil brother who at any time can like shoot them ahead with a crystal or something. Like, why are they always under his like sniper's arrow? Like, does the brother not need clearance from the rest of the family to kill them? I fucking guess not. I guess not because this life does not matter. On this life does not matter to our souls, which is part of the reason why in order to get into the family and because of this cosmic being, along with her dog, who will also become immortal, Sarma needs to prove to Anthony and by extension the family because they're always watching and the brother that she does not care about this life and she's ready to transcend the next plane of existence which involves wiring Anthony a bunch of money. (laughs) Anthony has been lying about his occupation. He claims to be a CIA agent like Blackwater shit. He randomly leaves the country. What does he actually do? We don't know. One more question about this family of, of alien super beings. If you got to give up all your money to get in the family, why is Anthony going around with a Rolex? I mean, well, because members of the family, I mean, you don't have to give up the money to get into the family. Okay. You have to give up the money to become immortal. You see, Anthony's already immortal. Oh, he already passed this little test. Right, because you said they have to go through like a little obstacle course, like yeah. an emotional obstacle course. They have to go through an emotional obstacle course, most of which involves wiring money. <laughs> right. And also, Anthony got fat as fuck and he's a 400-pound monster. That is also part of the emotional <laughs> escapades they have to go through because because you have to come with the meat suit anthony's already humongous but he's already immortal why can't he shed his meat suit i mean well if he is immortal he still has to follow the rules of physics you know like on our planet he needs Uh, to follow the rules of physics okay also he's fat as fuck as part of one of the tests right see because so he is fat because Sarma is doing poorly at these tests. And if Sarma, the only way he can get cities again, fuck the laws of thermodynamics, Sarma needs to start, like, not bitching when she gets asked to send a wire somewhere. Oh, okay. So if Sarma would only behave 
He would become sexier? He would become sexier, and also Sarma and her dog will achieve their heavenly reward. Uh, Sarma's place in the family, she is the queen. It is never established who the other members of the family are, aside from the brother. Okay. And the last time we checked in with Anthony, he was at the Foxwoods Casino Resort Hotel in Connecticut, just pouring her money into slop. We're going to talk about that. So we're going to get back to our story. And if anything else pops up that I seem to have forgotten about, I will say it. So between the years of 2014 and 2015, Sarma sends Anthony Sturgis about $1.7 million. She was siphoning this through the restaurant. And also, like, I think she was borrowing money. I don't know where the money came from. But over the course of a year, that's how much money she gave him. Now, we need to introduce a new character into this story. This character is very important. And this character is probably the reason why this documentary got made in the first place. His name is Nassim. Nassim is one of Anthony's other victims. Nassim, when he met Anthony, was working as a bartender. Just this is prior. This is our backstory. This is our prequel to the bad vegan story. So Nassim was working at a bartender. Anthony used to come into his restaurant like 10 times a week. So Nassim and Anthony start becoming buddy-buddy. And of course, Anthony's like flashing his Rolexes and shit. And so Nassim's like, oh, wow, seems like you got a lot of money. He claims that where he got this money, would you like to guess where the money came from? Well, okay. So he's trying to convince Sarma that the money is from the CIA. But he's talking to Nassim right exactly. now. Exactly. So like, I don't think he'd use the same lie twice. I'm going to say he found some pirate treasure. You are so close. Okay. I'm going to circling in just a little, I'm going to remodulate a little bit. He like discovered a bunch of treasure in a wreck. Like he was doing diving and like reclamation of an old ship or something. No, but you're very, very close. You're scalding hot, but you're not quite there yet. Three words, Asterios. Buried Nazi treasure. I said buried treasure. <laughs> I know, but you didn't specify that it was buried Nazi treasure. <laughs> that is better treasure and worse. Okay. Well, he found it. That's where his money came from. He unburied Nazi treasure. I think he said he was also CIA or something, but the Blackwater people stole a bunch of Nazi treasure that they found. You can't trust nobody these days. Anyways, Anthony is married to Sarma. Uh-huh. And he comes in one day, Anthony, and he sits down and he's like, Nazim, I have a great investment opportunity for you. And he's like, oh, really? He says, me and Anthony says, me and Sarma are going to open a new juice bar around here. Complete lies. Just blatant lies. Like there is no juice bar. Nowhere else in this documentary do they talk about thinking about opening a juice bar with Nassim's money. But Anthony is like, and also Anthony has no point, no like share of this business besides being married to Sarma. So- He's just saying lies to him. And Nazim is like, absolutely. Like, you're married to this world famous chef. Like, fuck yeah, I want to get in on this. So Nazim gives Anthony $35,000. And Anthony then pushes him off and off. And because at this point, Nazim doesn't realize that he's a fucking crazy guy. So one day... Uh, Anthony decides to take Nazim, his now friend and co-investor, on a little little journey, a little jar- journey to a place we call the Faxwoods Casino, because <laughs> that's how Nazim says it. He's like, we would spend hours at the Faxwoods. <laughs> He's a Russian guy. Okay. <laughs> and Nazim is like, look at watching this dude's playing like three slot machines at a time, blowing like thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on the roulette table and stuff. And let me tell you, there are lots of places in the Foxwoods Casino to ruin your life and <laughs> blow all your money. <laughs> 
So Nazim, slowly over time, he starts hearing about, she's talking to Sarma in between the period where he gave Anthony the money and this story being told. He like, starts like talking to Sarma and chatting with her and Sarma's like talking about him blowing all this money and like he's taking all this money. And at first Nazim thinks like they're a couple and they're both rich as fuck. Not a problem. If you're wealthy, you can spend some money. But then... Nazim would like go to sleep for eight hours, wake up, and then Anthony would still be down at the casino because they're 24 hours, 24 hours a day and seven hours a week, like continuing to gamble. And Nazim puts two and two together. It's like, oh, he's an addict gambler and my money's gone. (laughs) (laughs) And so is Sarma's money. But Nazim's only lost 35 grand. Sarma's lost $1.7 million and married the guy. Yes. And Sarma's also committed crimes to give the money to Anthony. I don't know if she's committed crimes yet. She has not committed crimes yet, I don't think. Okay, because I was thinking with the skimming of the money from the restaurant that like that money probably is like first and foremost like billed to the owner, that guy that she owes $2 million to. I mean, beats me. I don't know. Okay, okay, that's fine. So Nazim also saw the uh, immortal demon shit, but he was not like having it. He's not, I guess, as dumb as Sarma. So one day, Anthony goes up to his talking about, he's like, I'm seeing demons, man. I'm seeing demons and shit. And Nazim is like, well, what the fuck are you talking about, man? What do you mean you're seeing demons? He's like, they follow me and my brother and all this stuff. And Nazim is like, Dude, that doesn't make any sense. And a couple weeks ago, you said something different. So, like, what is it? Well, why are you telling me this nonsense? And once Anthony figures out that Nazim's not, like, falling for it, he just explodes at him, cuts him off. And that's the point when Nazim calls Sarma and is like, hey, Sarma, you need to be, like, recording every single phone call that you have with this guy because he is completely fucking unhinged. First of all, he's recording every phone call that you have with him on his end, by the way, in case you didn't know that. Second of all, he is a complete fucking crazy person. To protect yourself, you need to start recording these phone calls. How important is $35,000 to Nazim? Is Nazim like a middle class guy or is like Nazim like another kind of like wealthy guy that could get bailed out by his parents? I imagine he had not a ton of money because he was did, did meet Anthony working as a, a bartender. Oh. But I don't, it's never made clear how much money he has. Okay. Just because it's like I've in the intervening weeks, like I looked into this girl, Sarma, a little bit. She's on the cover of like multiple cookbooks like she's in like the New York Post and the New York Times before she was, I guess, like an infamous financial crook who married a demon. Like she was a little celebrity in like the the in like this world. So I could see a guy being like, yeah, I'll I, I want like a part of this action. You know what I mean? Like I could see Nazim investing. Yeah, I could see him pulling it. At the beginning of the documentary, they said something about like she had this lavish persona, but in reality, she's broke because she owes all this money to this guy. And I'm thinking like, where is all the money from the restaurant going? I don't know. I guess they're operating profitably, but on very thin margins or something. Right. I digress. Uh, half of the documentary is recorded phone calls that Nazim prompted her to. And you that's how we know all this insane shit wow. is true because there are recorded phone calls of him being like, I fucking told you, if you don't do these steps, then it's over, you're done, and I'm going to get gutted by my brother. There's a phone calls. There's one in particular where uh, he's like, 
You you think you're fucking two million dollars debt to Jeffrey Trotter? Oh, that's a lot of money. Like says it in a sarcastic voice. She's like, if it's not a lot of money, Anthony, you just pay it off. He's like, I can't pay it off because we're undergoing these tests. Oh, of course. <laughs> like there's an yes. IRA rule. Yes. Thirty six B. Yes, you're not allowed to access the money during the test, obviously. Right. Well, no, money can come in to you. During the test, it just can't go out. He can't speak. He's not spending the money, remember, because he's rich as fuck. He doesn't need no money. He's putting all the money into accounts where he's freezing it and holding it. Just like hold it onto it. Taking it to the bank. <laughs> yes, of course. The first bank of Foxwoods. The first bank of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. What was I just talking about? Um, Nazim has told Sarma to start recording phone calls. Yeah, so that's all the reason we know like she's not just pulling this out of her ass because obviously this guy is not in the documentary. Yes. <laughs> and I, so I guess they got permission to use all the recorded phone calls with him. That or this is all a scam. And I've been I've got got harder than anybody else has got got ever in the entire world. No, this is not a scam because uh, <laughs> there's a, a ton of articles about like um, juice heiress on the run, <laughs> like missing juice heiress, like like. Police looking for the juice girl. So at this point in the story, Anthony is just like inserting himself into the restaurant a bunch. But there's kind of not a ton that he can do with Sarma there. Right. You know, because everybody at the place knows that she's the owner. They know that she's married to this guy, but they like they respond to Sarma. Mm -hmm. So obviously, what do you do? You got to get Sarma out of there. So an amazing opportunity presents itself. Stereos. An amazing opportunity. Okay. Sarma is going to get to meet Anthony's brother. And become the queen? No, she gets to meet the brother because the brother is beginning to soften on her. However, there's only one place in the world where the brother can meet, and that's Rome, Italy. (laughs) So Anthony, without telling her, books her a one-way flight to Rome, arranges for all of this hotels and shit, gives her a credit card with like a set amount of money loaded onto it so she could spend each day, and doesn't tell her anything. Anything about where she's going. He's just like, here's a one-way plane ticket to Rome. There's a hilarious, how they chose to illustrate this in the Netflix documentary was a cell phone pops up and there's a text thread that says, want to fucking tell me why I'm in Rome? (laughs) 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 See, so he explains that she's going to get to meet the brother, but the brother's not there yet. You need to be patient. Just like enjoy your time here. Go wander around the streets. Have a cafe. Have 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 a herbal tea or something. Meanwhile, back in New York, Anthony shows up at Pure Food and Wine, the restaurant, and sits everybody down. He's like, we have to have a staff meeting. And they're like, uh, why are you calling us? Sta- you are not staff. Why are you calling a staff meeting? But they're like, OK, whatever. So he sits down the entire restaurant and he says, food and Pure Food and Wine is changing hands. It's changing management. I am going to own Pure Food and Wines now because I am going to pay $2 million to Jeffrey Chaudhary. So technically, I will be the owner of the restaurant, but you're just going to keep treating Sarma like she's the boss. Like, business as usual. Don't say anything. (laughs) Just keep operating as you are operating. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Like, nobody believes him, but like, what what are you going to do? So he would start his new way of getting money while Sarma is off in Rome is to come in and ask for it directly. Right. Just like take it out of the cash. Like just from the management. Right. Just take money. So he starts just straight up taking money from Pure Food and Wine. And they give it to him? And they give it to him. He's like, yeah, no, I need the payroll to put it in the bank. (laughs) Oh, my fucking God. Look, I could see that working for 
I don't know, a week until people's paychecks stop cashing. And then I could see a bunch of bartenders beating the absolute piss out of this New York white collar criminal. Uh Uh-huh. And that's almost exactly what happened. So Anthony is skimming money, but there's enough in like the bank to keep paying payroll. Meanwhile, he's also getting money from Sarba, who is in Rome, has not met the brother, but is continuing to send him money. And she's like, what the fuck? Where's this brother? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, after a few weeks there, he's like, you did it. You did it, Sarva. Congratulations. She's like, I thought I was going to meet your brother. He's like, yeah, you did. And he's just like trying to convince her that she communicated with the brother telepathically or something. Right. Mm-hmm. While she was in Rome. So okay. he's like, I'm so proud of you. This is great. And she, so she comes home. So she, before she comes home from Rome, you see, because she got the opportunity to communicate with the brother telepathically. Of course. So before she leaves Rome, she starts looking at the uh, the banks, the budgets, and she also gets a very aggressive message from one of the restaurant managers. It's like, hey, Sarma, all this money that you're withdrawing, plus all the money that Anthony's taking, this is, we are going to miss payroll. If you don't fucking quit doing it, I, it feels like you're stealing from us. So she calls around. She miraculously gets someone to loan her $100,000 for her payroll. So payroll is made. Nothing happens. She returns to New York. But at this point, Pure Food and Ryan is running out of money. So that's that's the key message here. Oh, and by the way, then after Sarma runs out of money and Pure Food and Wine runs out of money, he starts emailing Sarma's mom, like being like, Sarma's in trouble. We need a bunch of money. That's why I'm saying, like, I don't think my mom would wire. Over the this whole charade, her mom wired $400,000 oh my God. to this dude. That's why I think her parents are rich, because my parents would be like, nah. <laughs> well, of course, yes. Keep her. Yes, obviously. So this keeps going on, on and on a little bit. Anthony's siphoning money. Money is going down, down, down. 2014 arrives. Payroll is due again, and they cannot make it. So at this point, everybody in the restaurant knows that Sarma is like not going to make payroll because yeah. everybody's like complaining about it. Yeah, anybody who brings it up gets fired immediately. It just shit can me. Anybody who's actually looking at the books and be like, "This ain't adding up," Sarma gets just shit canned. Who shit cans them? Uh, Sarma. Okay, so Sarma is now like acting very aggressively towards people who she's hurt. Correct. Okay, got it. And let me tell you, Sirius, thank fucking God that this life doesn't matter and all those people's paychecks mean nothing because they are going to be rewarded with eternal heaven in the kingdom of Sarma's uh, immortal goddesshood, which she is close to achieving. She's so close to achieving. The final and last step is she needs to go gallivanting around Europe, giving Anthony money so he could go to multiple casinos. (laughs) That's the last step. It's the last step of the transformation of Sirius. It's, did he run out of gas at the end with his lies? That's the worst last step. The step before this was go to Rome and telepathically communicate with my evil brother. That's a, that's great. That's good. Going into hotel rooms and then having box talk. That's great. The last step, we're going to casinos and I'm going to gamble money. No, the last step, like, should happen, like, in the Sistine Chapel, and you should, like, slice your palm open and, like, drip the blood onto a candle. Like, the last step should happen, like, under the sea. Like, we need to, like, rent a little bathosphere and go to, like, the bottom of the Marianas Trench. Like, work, like, 
And they could have come up with anything for this last step. We got to go out into the desert and have like a psychedelic experience. Like just more casinos? More casino. He should have just sent Sarma out into the desert. Clearly she would have done it. Yes. So meanwhile, so Sarma has not been back to her restaurant in however fucking long. Uh, the interviewer asked her, he's like, if you weren't there, how did you think that the restaurant was going to continue operating? She's like, well, there's a bunch of people under me. And as long as we have money and payroll keeps going and everybody just kind of does their job. Yeah, but like, she what, was she firing people via text message? I guess so. Jesus Christ, okay. So she needs to go like from casino to casino, just blowing all this money with Anthony in Europe. Now, her staff has missed payroll at this point. There's missed payroll. She emails them all and she makes up some bullshit excuse like, oh, we switched banks. So uh, yeah, you're going to get double paycheck next week. Meanwhile, all the staff is seeing is like her gallivanting around Europe. Oh, on Instagram or something. Correct. Oh, no. And posting all this shit. Meanwhile, she's like, no, we don't have the money to pay you this week. But next week, I promise, after I get this immortal goddess money. Is she telling people this immortal goddess shit? No, she is not. Because I I think at some point in her heart, she knows this is all horse shit. Because the obvious question here is, why didn't you ask for, if you truly believe this, why did you not start asking money from your parents to do this? Because they're willing to give you fucking half a million dollars. I think they can cover payroll for a week. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It is a mystery. Maybe she knew all along. However... Payroll gets missed multiple times. Uh, anybody who bitches gets canned. Eventually, staff walks out. Yeah. The interviewer then asks, well, what did you think was going to happen? If you would just, she's like, I just assumed the restaurant would keep running. I guess she, the concept of them running out of money wasn't a thing because any money that Anthony wins at these casinos, he's immediately spending it on stupid bullshit, like $14,000 hotel rooms and shit, and that's what's funding their dumb little Europe escapade. Yeah. Staff walks out, restaurant gets shut down. In order to open again, Sar- and obviously Sarma hears about this at this point, because Jeffrey Trotter is like, what in the fuck are you doing down there? To open up the restaurant again, Sarma is going to need to pay back rent and also like a month of back pay yeah. to her staff. Yes. So she calls around and somehow, Asterios, by the grace of God, she somehow manages to get money again, loans again from investors to pay the back rent, pay the staff, and open the goddamn restaurant again. And not only is she able to somehow open the goddamn restaurant again, all of her staff just comes back. When she contacts them all, it's like, yeah, here's your money. Sorry, I was being a dick. We have new loans and new investors now. They just all leave their new jobs that they've gotten and come back. Like they're talking about uh, the girl that was the head chef. She's like, yeah, no, I heard. And I was really excited that it was opening again. So then I just quit my job and came back to Peru Food and Wine. It's like, damn, these people must have. Sarma must have been one charismatic motherfucker because these her staff cares about her like way more than any human being should. I kind of get it, though, because it's like she's a celebrity. You know, it's it's like a different kind of worship, like a different kind of God. I mean, she kind of is a goddess. Like, people want to be near this celebrity. She's in the newspaper at this point, not for uh, running away, for being a fugitive from the law. But like, you know, Alec Baldwin's coming in. Like, people are like, well, this could be a stepping stone to me opening my own thing. Like, it's it's good to kind of be in this person's orbit. 
Right. So I guess they brown nose so hard that they came all back to the restaurant, even though she didn't pay him for a month. And Anthony is like, meanwhile, as this happened, Anthony is like, you see what happens when you just follow directions? <laughs> see, because Anthony's taking, uh, what's the opposite of taking blame for something? Credit. Yeah. Anthony takes credit for her manage to secure new loans in like an unprecedented amount of time for a restaurant that just closed and all her staff coming back. He's like, you see, this is the power of being an immortal goddess. And when you follow my instructions, then you get everything you want and more. <laughs> wow. So Sarma does get everything she wants and more. Until payroll comes again. Uh-huh. And they're still low on money. And they are still out of cash. And the loans are dried up. So uh, so she goes to Connecticut with Anthony after returning to the restaurant, opening it. Everything is happy. Sarma has gotten everything she wants. Until payroll is due again. As it is every two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You would, one would think. And surprise, surprise. Food and wine does not have any money. So Sarma uh, stiffs her staff and she stiffs her investors and the investors are pissed. Like you can sue, you can forget to pay, forget to pay a waiter, but like, what is he going to do? So you, you forget to pay like your corporate investors. You're, you're going to get fucked pretty hard. Well, especially because there's got to be some kind of collateral that she's put down to secure these loans. Beats the piss out of me. I don't know. So what I'm describing here is Sarma stiffs a bunch of staff members, like an entire uh, restaurant's worth of staff members and a bunch of investors, and then leaves the state to go to Connecticut with Anthony. But she seems, while they're interviewing her, this was so interesting, she seems to not understand that she's committed an illegal act here because the interviewer's talking to me, he's like, why, what on earth were you thinking? And she's like, I just left the state. What is that illegal to go to another state? And I'm thinking like, Motherfucker, you didn't pay people like three months. <laughs> you can't just keep telling them to hold off, hold off, hold off on their payroll. So staff walks out again. Pure Food and Wine gets shut down for a second motherfucking time. There's like protests outside this time, uh, signs, and they're like, Sarma's kind of a douche. <laughs> Many unlucky ducks, because the restaurant and her uh, juice bar was called One Lucky Duck. <laughs> We are many unlucky ducks because we worked for Sarma and we did not get paid. We're in the end times. Now we're in the end game. So basically what Sarma is doing at this point, while uh, her staff is down there protesting in front of the restaurant for to get their money back, is just traveling from casino to casino with Anthony. And Anthony kind of at this point doesn't really know what to do because the money is not flowing like it used to. And he's probably not going to be able to make the dog immortal. So on one hand, he's like, is this the end game? Is this when I just cut her loose and cut my losses and get out of here and do this to somebody else? <laughs> but he also doesn't know if there's still money that can be squeezed from this stone, like just a little bit, maybe from the parents or something. So they grow on this grand escapade. Eventually, one some of the investors or somebody, somebody calls the fucking cops. And uh, how they tracked her down was they had tracking on like they knew the general area they were in and they found that they had ordered a pizza from a Domino's to a motel and that's how the cops got them and so all the headlines were like vegan heiress downfall by being a dumb hypocrite would actually like who gives a fuck about the pizza it's with this eight hundred thousand dollars <laughs> no 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 it's pretty funny because I did see a lot of headlines like that like um yeah, because she's like the super foodie, like thousand dollar, like shakes with pomegranate stuff and all that. And then like a Domino's pizza is what tips the cops off to their location. That's great. High, like high food heiress brought low by common class, low person food. I like that. 
Yeah. So she is charged with grand larceny. Uh, I think she stole, the investor says that she stole $800,000 from them and also not paying her employees and just a bunch of tax fuckery. So she goes to Rikers Island. Wow. (laughs) Yeah, really. They immediately throw, not the book, but the whole goddamn library at this woman. She goes to Rikers Island. She gets bailed out by her parents. Anthony does not get bailed out. He also gets arrested, I think, for stealing money from the restaurant and fucking investors, but I don't know. So while Sarma gets bailed out, Anthony does not. So Anthony sits in Rikers Island for a year. And by the time the trial comes around and he's found guilty, it's basically just time served. Bam, go ahead. No mental health evaluation or anything. Meanwhile, Sarma's pleading in court. Yeah, no, this guy basically brainwashed me and made me believe that I was in mortal guys. And then we're like, at some point you must have known like what you were doing was fuckery like you need to understand as a restaurant owner like you need to pay your employees you can't just not do that so eventually she reaches a plea deal she does four months in jail i assume for the tax shit or something or the investor shit because who cares if your staff doesn't get paid am i I right And just as she's going in, Anthony is coming out. So he is on the loose. He's on the prowl. He is somewhere walking among us. Wait a minute. That's all these two got for like ruining countless lives? Yes. Four months in jail for like taking out loans and then putting that money directly into slot machines? I think they gave him a year, but yeah, no, no mental health evaluation requirements. No, like need you. We're going to sign off if you do community service. Nothing. Just spent a year in Rikers and he's out. His defense is like, oh, yeah, she uh, sent me all the money. She willingly sent me all the money. And then when they went back and looked at the papers, I think they saw that like Sarma was also taking money out of the restaurant that should have gone to payroll, which is part of the reason why she went to jail besides stealing from investors. So they both got caught up into it. And yeah, no. Very, very, very short about jail sentence. Sarma and the dog did not become immortal. I'm sorry to tell you. This is terrible. These two people, like, I think of, like, every, like, bartender and, like, manager and waiter that, like, got fired for just asking where their paycheck was. Like, these people, like, came back a second time. They, like, quit these jobs. Like, New York, like, you're kind of living paycheck to paycheck, like, Rents are very high here. Like you're very dependent on like those tips, those like those celebrity tips you get from Alec Baldwin. Like, so she kind of like screwed over like a bunch of poor people and screwed over a bunch of rich people and screwed over her parents who are like constantly lending money to like this monster. This fat, dumpy monster who I don't think he's ever spoken to the parents like in person before. Maybe one time during a holiday I think she tweeted about that, that he met her family and he was very charming, but god damn it. Yeah, no, those people did not get justice. The only people that got justice was whoever her cellmate was for four months in Rutgers Island because she said in the documentary that she did frequently cuddle with her cellmate. So like, you take a gun and like you rob a guy and you can go to jail for like 10 years you just like use a bunch of lies about demons to like rob someone's parents and you go to jail for like a year yeah and then you get out and you just do it again i guess you impersonate a police officer in florida and you go like you go to jail for like a year he also stole a car (laughs) and you go to jail for a year yes 
I mean, I don't think those were all on the same charge. I think no, but if you got the guy in jail, you could charge him with the other things or you could extradite him to Florida. Like if you've got him, you could figure it out. Oh, yeah. Oh. No. And this dude is like a danger to society because they also had a segment with his ex-wife who was like, yeah, no, this man had me believing in demons. He thought there were like demons for her family. Apparently, at one point she was pregnant when she was dating Anthony and she had this kid and she's holding the kid. And then one day Anthony comes up to her and is like, hey, do you know if you put salt in a baby's bottle, it'll uh, kill them and it won't show up on the autopsy report? And she's like, what the fuck? And then she never left him alone with the kid again. Are we stupid for not committing more crimes? I think we might be. Think about it. They, a year in jail for like an entire like lavish European lifestyle, nonstop casino action. Like you and I, we went to Foxwoods for like two days. And even now I'm like, all right, well, I got to spend a little less money. Cause like I went to Foxwoods, like, well, like, I bought dinner for all of us at the Hard Rock Cafe. Like, all right, I bought my mom this. I bought my mom that. Like, okay, I, I got to save for a little bit. We just commit a couple of crimes. We could be Rome. Like we could have, we could like be touring the country. Like one our bandits eating like at fancy restaurants, staying at fancy hotels. Yeah. You know what? Maybe we should start. So I could think the problem is you got to get the in because it's like a members only country club. You only get the opportunity to do those crimes. If you're like already in. Look, I'm not saying it'll be easy. I'm not saying I have a plan, but I'm just saying, like, what if we'd spent the time that we spend now thinking about how to get money legally, like, oh, work some more hours, oh, I'll get a new client, oh, I'll try this, oh, I'll save on that. If we spent all that mental energy putting it into the crimosphere, we could find some marks and we could rook them and we could do this and we could pretend to own a restaurant. Like, these two people don't seem smart. We we seem smarter than these two people. Yeah, these people are fucking crazy. <laughs> these people are fucking crazy. And like, they're staying at the Bellagio in the Ritz. You and I, we're staying in a hotel room that my mom got us. Yeah, life isn't fair, Asterios. We need to find some high value clients and then go to jail for four months. How bad is jail? I guess I think I should ask. How bad is jail? I don't know. I mean, they're, they're fine, right? They're out. I mean, they're fine now, but I, I was reading a manga the other while ago where the, the girl got sentenced to one year in jail and then decides to break out. And I'm like, am I stupid for thinking that one year in jail is like not a big deal? She was also in a Japanese jail. and Those are probably nice. I imagine they're cleaner. Yeah. You've seen that TV show where two-year-olds just run around doing chores. No problems. No. Ca- Hakuna Matata, the country. Man, let me tell you, if you are a listener and you have been to jail, like for a little bit of time, like I don't want to hear from anything if you fucking killed someone or crashed a car or something. But if you like, I don't know, cheated on your taxes or were drunk in public or something and went to jail, can you call in and tell me how it was? Because I'm really weighing my options here after you bring that up. No, no, that's a good point. Oh, hey, hold on. I'm just going to stop tape for one second. Why are you asking criminals to reach out to us directly? So we can take their mistakes and not do them. Can't we just read blogs? Do we need these people as part of our lives? Do you know how many true crime podcasts there are? Why don't you listen to true true crime podcasts as, a, as opposed to trying to put the criminals in our, in our orbit? If you are a criminal, please call into the last no! one. Damn it! Ask, give us that phone number for all, all you criminals. All right, listen. How, you know what? I'm going to say something different, though. If you're not a criminal. Damn, two uh, rights. Three rights make a laugh. I would much prefer to hear from you. You call. 848-863-5343 or you email us at the loudest podcast at gmail.com. You, you record a little voice note on your phone, attach it to an email. How about this? Let's meet in the middle. 
what are some crimes we could do that we could probably get away with to get some money? Because isn't that what we really want? We want the crime deals. I mean, we want the crime money. So obviously the answer is money crime. But how do we get into money crime? Tell us how we could commit some money crimes. Money crimes. Yeah. Uh, satire, satire. This is all satire. satire, satire, satire. All right. We love you. Thank you so much for listening. Voicemails will be back next week because we have a ton of them. Well, Siraj is going to say they're all bad. I mean, they probably will be, but that shouldn't stop you from calling in, damn it, because at least you should know in your heart, even if we've never played your voicemails before, Bo the Sheep, I personally listen to all of them. You call 848-863-5343. New Lime and the Coconuts just dropped yesterday. As you're hearing this, we are recording the new Christery tomorrow. As you're hearing this, happy tax day, guys. Sorry. Sorry about tax day. Sorry about tax day. Take all your refund and put it in a little pile and then pour a beer on it for me. Yeah. Pour some out for your homegirl, Rancho. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.